This is Creator Culture by Hashtag Paid. Hey, I'm Danny DeSatnik, and this is a podcast all about creators. But not just any creators, I'm talking about captivating storytellers, masterful videographers, and generational writers. Each conversation explores the impact creators have on the people around them, and what you'll find is not only astonishing, but inspiring. Today's guest is Madeline Turner. There's a good chance you've seen her incredible short films on TikTok. Some are commissioned by brands, while others are commissioned by her curiosity. As always, before we get to the episode, I want to share one interesting thing I came across this week in the creator space, and it's the idea that creators are translating their YouTube channels into other languages. Now, this is smart for a couple reasons. One, they naturally just get to expand the number of fans that they have without having to create more content. All that needs to be done is pay a couple voice actors to dub over your video. And the cool thing that some creators are doing, but most notably Mr. Beast, he has over 10 channels in different languages. But what he does is every single country or every single region that he is now translating his content into, he'll find actors who are well known in those regions and get them to dub over or voice over his videos. The reason he does this is again because of familiarity. If I'm in Canada and there's this incredible YouTuber, let's say out in the Middle East, not speaking English, if they bring their content to Canada and get someone like Ryan Reynolds, I don't know, Seth Rogen, Drake, other people that whose voices are so notable and so recognizable to the average person, it's naturally gonna increase the level of interest in those videos and retention. So super smart, look out for more people like Mr. Beast translating their YouTube channels into other languages to reach broader audiences. So let's get to this episode. Three things about Madeline that you should know. One, she's a one person show. She writes, directs, acts, edits, adds visual effects for all of her TikTok videos. No one else is helping her. Well, maybe her husband will help with a prop or two but that's it. She's actually been compared to Wes Anderson based on her editing style, and the story goes that Wes Anderson might have actually seen her TikToks. And finally, she's fully self-taught. Madeline didn't go to university or college, but instead used YouTube as a teacher and just let her curiosity run wild. This was one of my favorite, and this could very well be my favorite interview. So enough out of me, let's get to the good stuff. Here's my conversation with Madeline Turner. What is the first creative project you remember taking on? I'll start it off by saying I was very blessed, very hashtag blessed to grow up with a mother who is deeply creative herself and very much, I think, there wasn't a lot that she could provide fiscally, um, and life circumstance wise but one thing she made certain to do with us was to inject like creativity into everything that we did from like you know like even even like uh, like trips in the car were creative endeavors so I think she really instilled kind of a a practice I would say of like looking at the world in a subjective sense 
and finding ways to interpret ordinary things into being really beautiful and being really interesting. And so I can't, I genuinely cannot remember the first creative project I ever did because it was constant, constantly happening. And I think I am, was naturally a very creative, imaginative kid. So I, as early as like three and four, have like storybooks that I, I wrote and uh, films that I was imagining and not at four. This is more like closer to like eight, nine. Um, I have lots of younger siblings and so I was constantly just um, forcing them to uh, be involved in any of my creative endeavors but when you ask that question the first thing that came to mind in a sense that like to this day I'm still proud of is um, shockingly I was a, a theater kid I know that's probably really hard to see when you, you know, when you think of me. But I was a theater kid and in middle school, we had this theater program that was run by this teacher who had no control over his classroom whatsoever. He was he just did not know how to <laughs> like manage a bunch of 13-year-olds. But there was this group of uh, of friends that I had that were all very deeply creative and very talented, even as 13-year-olds. And for our spring musical, we wrote and directed like a variety show called Not Another High School Musical. And it was this sort of like meta commentary about a middle school theater class having to put on high school musical as their musical and not wanting to do it and trying their best to convince their drama teacher to do different musicals. And so that's how it incorporated a bunch of different numbers from different musicals. And I didn't realize it at the time that like what I what we were all doing is like kind of insane and even more insane that we pulled it off. And it was by no means perfect. But like wow if I was an adult going to see that as like, even now, even to this day, I would be blown away by how like cohesive it was, uh, how sort of like effective it was in like getting across what we wanted to do, which is put together a bunch of musical numbers that we personally wanted to sing. (laughs) It was one of the last really creative things I did for a long time that was sort of my my magnum opus up until I found TikTok and now here I am do you have that on film do you have the oh my script? gosh do you have I anything related to it die I have a program from the musical I have the I have a program or I think I have a photo of the program I don't even have the actual program and I would die to have a copy of that I'm pretty sure it's out there somewhere, but I don't know. This is like before the days of iPhones. And so I believe it was shot on like a camcorder. Some parent has to have it. I'm sure some parent has. I'm sure if I did my my research, uh, I'd be able to get it. I don't know. It might not be as good as I remember it. <laughs> like it might sort of like soil how proud I am of it in hindsight. 
there's so many interesting things there. There's a quote from Patrick Rothfuss. He says like you start being an adult when you start thinking about the future or like when your creative endeavors start entailing you deciding and thinking about the future compared to just mm. staying in the present. I was definitely a late creative bloomer as well. And so I was trying to figure out like where do I like where do I go? How do I situate myself such that I don't think of expectations and I can't be that kid in the sandbox? It's so cool to hear that early on. Naturally, that's just where you went to. And you had people surrounding you with a similar mentality, which I think is so, so valuable. I think very just like symbiotic in a lot of ways. There's almost like a benefit to the lack of instruction. Your confidence isn't really like inhibited by some sort of metric. You're creating off of instinct in a lot of ways. And I think sometimes creating off of instinct cannot you know, pan out as well. But I also think that it can, like, that's where, like, those real sparks of genius happen is, like, instinct within boundaries. That's my favorite way to create. Talk to me about boundaries, because I heard you on another podcast, and you spoke about exactly this. You said something like rubbing up against boundaries is where the spark happens. And I think that's so interesting, because a lot of the time, people will live for creative freedom. But you're coming from this element of, no, no, I'll live for creative freedom, but like there needs to be something to bounce off of. How does creativity happen for you? I feel like the way that my brain specifically works in being creative is like, like, I don't, I don't think I'll ever make something that like is perfect, if that makes sense. Well, you're an artist. Nothing will. I don't think nothing will ever be perfect to you. Nothing will be perfect. Right. But it's also it also isn't something that I necessarily really strive for that much in my work. I'm I'm a big fan of like, no, it looks good. Yeah, no, 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 it works. We'll we'll fix it in post. Like uh, that's like the type of <laughs> that's the type of creative I am. And I think the real creativity is like tailoring the vision because like truthfully, you could tell any type of story any character with any set with anything like you could tell a story you in a blank wall like that's that's enough to tell a story if you if that's all you have I get overwhelmed with the possibility of what could and should be if there are no boundaries that I'm either getting from an external source or like societal standards like that a movie is approximately 90 minutes. Okay, cool. I have 90 minutes to work with them. When you work with brands, are you setting the boundaries for yourself and for the brand? Or is the brand doing that for you? And here comes the piggyback. What do you enjoy more when the brand's setting the boundaries or when you get to set boundaries? I really like a prompt. I also just really love advertising. I think there's something... It feels almost like a challenge. Storytelling has always been something that's just the the function of it, the form of storytelling has always been really intuitive to me. This The idea of like making something be satisfying, setting something up, putting two characters together. That's always felt, it's just always felt really in, intuitive to me. I, I come from a... I, I think like a family of failed artists and was really just influenced by a lot of really great storytellers in real life and then also just 
uh, books and film and media. And it just sort of like soaked it up like a sponge. And so I find it to be like I could tell any story. I could tell any story. And, and what story do you want me to tell? Like give me give me some some bounds to work within and I'll tell the story that I want to tell. I'll tell it in my way. Like if there's open air, open water, it's overwhelming because it, it could be anything. And then it's sort of like, what's, you know, what's the point? And there are times where like in my personal projects, if I'm, if there's something happening in my life that like, you know, I want to work through or something that like a story that I feel like needs to be told. But that's also the other thing, like every story has already been told like in a, in a thousand different ways. And so it's less like figuring out what's the, the new way of, 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 of saying this or saying something that no one else has said. That's not possible. But I think finding a way to tell a similar story in an unfamiliar way. And I find advertising to be a really interesting space to do that in because I think it's a little bit more complicated. I love a prompt. But a lot of times, to answer, to quickly answer your original question, it really depends on the brand itself. Like sometimes they come in with like some ad copy that they want incorporated. Sometimes they come in with just a product that they want incorporated. Sometimes they have like a few words and then I'll send them like three to four different ideas, different concepts, and they'll pick one and kind of let me take it from there. A couple of things on this. The question that sits in my mind when I first came across your stuff, so the, the video that was sent to me, and I hate that I came across your stuff so late. It's the Acura video that came out oh. a month ago, two oh. months ago, three months ago. Yeah. And I saw this and I was like, wow, this is crazy that there's such level of production and thought with a brand on TikTok, which you never see before. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I've kind of I've kind of hit a really sweet spot because I mean, the industry is always shifting. I know like people say all the time, like, oh, the industry is really changing, but it's always changing. That's like that's art and media like that. That's capitalism, baby. It's always changing. Um, But I think as these social media spaces become places where people are spending consistent amounts of their time and giving consistent amounts of their attention, we are going to see more. I I mean, there's just, there's a much bigger space to play in as far as ads are concerned. Like a, a commercial campaign would cost millions of dollars. And that's not even including like ad space. And instead, you can pay, uh, you know, a solo TikTok creator a fraction of that, but still very, you know, thankful for me, grateful for on my end, enough on my end. And I think because I'm sort of a, a self-contained enterprise, it's like they're stoked. They're like, they're so excited. And I think I get a lot of work even just creating ads for brands that I don't even post on my TikTok. Okay, question number two in this like vast sea of questions that are roaming around in my head and like biting at my brain. How often 
do the ads that you create for these brands on TikTok, regardless if you're posting it yourself or they're posting it on their pages, how often does that creative actually get pulled into a larger context? Could be TV, could be YouTube, could be any other form that's just not social media. Has that ever happened? It hasn't happened yet. Oh, actually, no, it has. I did I did a, an ad for American Eagle and um, they threw it up on like a, a Times Square ad, which was cool, which was really cool. The like, you know, TikTok to director pipeline is, you know, standard. Uh, but I, I'm now, you know, I'm, I'm repped by UTA and I have a commercial agent. I know it's, it's actually kind of stupid. It's, it's insane. And so now I get put up for like um, commercial gigs to to direct like full-blown campaigns that have nothing to do with my face that just have to do with my production design value and script writing skills and sort of ability to create create um that but in like a much more uh, big scale so so cool i that was one question i wanted to know where does this all go because i truly believe that someone like yourself or uh, do you know a guy named Amer- uh, I think he goes by American Baron or Baron Yeah, Ryan. I love him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh we've we've talked about collaborating and hopefully doing something together. Yeah, no, he's he he's 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 amazing. He, he's an incredible writer. I really love how he's bringing a much more like intelligent, introspective side to like cinema TikTok. <laughs> 100%. So then you started out writing and filming and then I heard you say that you wanted to go beyond just your bedroom so you started to learn visual effects you brought in your green furry friend as a green screen and like the a different world was then unlocked it seems like you do everything yourself now you're saying that you're getting put up for commercial gigs where your face isn't in it and i've heard you say you love acting what's your creative pocket i think it is sort of like a wes anderson i'm working on a feature script right now i've pitched the sort of like you know elevator pitch to a few production companies i have production companies who like want to make my first film and so it's it's i hope i really hope (laughs) uh, it's like beyond exciting but it's also like having the you know the first thing that comes out have a lot of eyes on it is is also another story but the the goal is to write and direct films and sort of be involved in them in the most like hands-on capacity I I would love to sort of like cultivate um, just like a team of people that I love working with. And I don't imagine that I will ever get to like a big budget commercial scale, but I also am like totally fine with that. I'd love to just make lots of small, fun films with, you know, cool people and, and find like a, just a really good crew to sort of continue to work with and grow this like this sort of space and I, and I and the hope is that like people are charmed enough by the environment and the energy that I can create in a cinematic space that they'll let me keep doing it for different stories do you think that your first feature film is going to be in a vertical format no 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 I think um I I think that like the medium I would I tell completely different stories on it within the vertical format it's like totally the medium it, it the medium is the boundary 
which is why sometimes I feel I mean you can talk about like like directors who get like really whose first films do really well and so they get you know blank checks to make their their amazing features and they don't always turn out as well or you see directors whose careers sort of get less and less uh, refined as time goes on and I do think it is because they just have less and less boundaries um and I think the boundary of time is real I mean that's I that's the only boundary any of us have we can get to like a very philosophical place but like <laughs> like time is the ultimate boundary especially when it comes to creating and consuming art and with the way that our attention spans are evolving I wouldn't necessarily immediately go to like oh our attention spans are short shortening so we need shorter quicker content I think it's a different type of uh, rhythm that that will like engage our sensibilities so then the question becomes do you see any world in which that becomes a reality that i would pay or any of us would pay twenty dollars to sit in a really comfy seat and look at a screen where one third of the screen is taken up by the movie and the other two sides are black no i think the thing that people are forgetting is that like there's a huge difference between a TV screen and a phone screen. And the way that we interact with our phones is a completely, it's almost, it, it's almost like in tandem with the way that we work with our brain and the way that we work with like, it, it's an extension of like our body at this point, which is really like, you know, black mirror. Technology's bad. Wow. Oh my gosh. I can't, that's a crazy thought. Uh, but I we think gotta get you that, on the like, Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I do think that the film screen, the television screen, will always be different to us on an evolutionary biological level. Like the the phone screen is not the TV screen. It's not the film screen. And I think it could become. I mean, I don't think we'll be alive at a point where. I'm sure they'll try it. Oh, they'll try anything. They'll try anything to to make money, but I don't I don't think it will it, it'll sustain. I think the fact that like we watch theater in the same way that we have for hundreds of years. Like I think life is horizontal, it's not vertical. So, I want to take that and go back a couple of steps and back a couple of years. You were saying that parody of the high school musical musical that you did back in high school or middle school was the last time you can remember doing something so creative for a while and then you went off you did your high school thing kind of did like a community college thing and then you found creativity again when you find creativity you go to tiktok why tiktok i was not uh, the tiktok came before like the creative endeavor so i was just sort of like on the app and if you scroll all the way back to like my original content it was like dumb like meme stuff (laughs) and not to say that i'd had like zero video experience I'd always loved film and had kept I think if I'm being honest like 
the idea of being a filmmaker as like a very secret, sacred dream inside the deepest like cockles of my heart. Um, and so in in whatever job I had sort of swindled my way into, some form of like videoing would would happen. And I used to do these like monthly video vlogs where like I'd be constantly taking like tiny videos of just like beautiful scenes from my life and my friends. And that was like a really organically uh, film-minded way of looking at the world. And so learned how to like edit through that. And that was just like for me for fun because if I didn't do it, I would die. So when does it change? Because I did scroll all the way down to the bottom to see. I think that's always the most interesting is like, how did it start? Uh, It's like, it's wild. (laughs) It's so, so different. It's so different. But you can still see elements of you wanting to tell that story through the editing, through the narrative and through the voiceover. When does it become this new format where you're almost taking skits, you're building your own aesthetic and people start knowing oh, this is definitely a Madeline Turner TikTok because the aesthetic is there and like the idea of it's the same. It happened really, really fast. I did this spoof of like BBC uh, period dramas. And that was the first one where I was like, you know what, it would be kind of fun to like put a little bit of effort. Because I think I had like been on the For You page and had seen people do like a little bit more involved uh content where I was like a little bit more cinematically driven and I was like oh oh yeah like I could do that this is a space that absolutely would support that perhaps um and so I made that one edited it outside of the app and it ended up being one of like the best slash better videos that I'd had at that point And one of, like, the comments on the video was, like, oh, this is so Wes Anderson. And I was, like, no, it's not. This is not Wes Anderson. But I could do Wes Anderson. Like, that would be really fun. I should do Wes Anderson. And so it was, like. Oh, that's so interesting how that came together. And so it literally was, like, out of spite almost. (laughs) Which is just a big motivator for me. I love spite. I, I, I live for her. She drives me. Hey, brands, if you're listening, yeah, if you're listening to this, Madeline keeps saying that she needs a prompt. I think I have the perfect prompt yeah. for every brand. It's just, hey, out of out of spite, <laughs> we don't think you can do this. <laughs> just watch me. That's that's how to get me to, to do anything. You sound like Michael Jordan. Did you see that last dance documentary? No, I didn't. But I believe it. It doesn't matter who it was, what the context was. Whenever someone was like, oh, Mike, you'd never do it. Or like, nah, Mike can't do it. Or "Ah, Mike, you suck. The next game was like like, the most legendary game. Yeah, the most, he wanted to blow everyone out of the water. So this is kind of cool. You're like Mike Jordan of TikTok. Thank you so much for saying that. I've always thought that. (laughs) (laughs) Big ego. Yeah, I mean, 100%. But yeah, so I did the Wes Anderson TikTok. That ended up, getting so massive so fast and it wasn't like I was trying to do if anything I sort of like stepped away from that like very Wes Anderson style for a while because I didn't want to be pigeonholed (laughs) but then as I started I 
it honestly was like just putting things out there that I wanted to make and being like, you guys want this? Are you sure you want this? And they're like, yes, we want it. Give us more. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll give you more if that's what you really want. And so it's just been like a constant back and forth of like, do you guys want this? Are you sure? Is this something that you really want? I was, I, I mean, like I had lots of, you know, of the many jobs that I've like swindled my way into, you know, I, I've worked in, in like styling. And so I've, I've worked with, I've worked in costuming, I've worked um, in like vintage wares. And so I had just like a ton of vintage props and knew how to get vintage props and just have always, you know, had a bit more of like an aesthetic eye than like, you know, any sort of applicable skills like math and science. I can, you know, make things look really pretty. And so it, it just was sort of a a real flourishing and like culmination of the skills I had accrued for the, you know, 10 or so years where I wasn't doing anything personally creative and just letting them like run wild. <laughs> okay, there's two things that have popped up. One, what is the creative process like for that Wes Anderson film? You see the comment Michael Jordan gets unearthed through you and you're like, like I am going to show you how great this can actually be. From that point to the time that you post it, how many hours are you spending? Do you have a thing where like in the morning you write, in the afternoon you shoot? What's the Madeline Turner recipe for that Wes Anderson video? It took me, <laughs> it's going to sound like, it's going to sound insane, but like, a lot of times when I'm like creating, I tend to like black out a little bit and just be like so in so in the moment that like I, I'm not even aware of what's going on. Just getting into that like some people call it like your fl- your flow state. I call it hyper focus or hyper fixation. But it was a uh, I had sort of like when I was thinking about a boundary, like a boundary for the Wes Anderson video, something that would be topical, something that would keep the script sort of smashed in, in like a, in a way that I could do in a minute. And it was, okay, the Wes Anderson guide to surviving the pandemic. And so it was probably like a 20 minute, like, okay, let's think about pandemic so everyone's wearing gloves okay so we can do gloves yeah yeah, I don't know just texting my mom okay so like oh I have a typewriter oh I I should like be typing a letter to my mom okay I had this you know stupid parrot portrait and I was like oh okay so the parrot should be the parrot should be a character because why wouldn't the the parrot be a character uh and then just sort of walking through my apartment and like just grabbing props and sort of putting together like color stories and being like, okay, so I have a lot of like reds and yellows. Let's figure out how many sets we're going to do. And then it was just, you know, taping fabric on my wall. And and honestly, the fact that I had that fabric is is the true like cosmic uh uh mystery because I don't remember getting it and my I thought I got it from my mom but she doesn't remember ever giving it to me and so I just had this like gorgeous red and gold brocade fabric sitting at the bottom of like a, a box in my closet for like four years that ended up being like the Wes Anderson like color like it being the most perfect 
fabrics. It was really like, it was really bananas. So you go through <laughs> this creative process, which is, to me, it's absurd that how quickly it came together. But as someone who loves learning about creatives and, and like watching documentaries and such, it makes a lot of sense. Like you've heard the story time and time again, when someone is just like so, so good at what they do, when it's not even good because they put effort into it, it just, it's who they are. The world's come together at the right intersection yeah. and, and that's where they operate. People will always say Jay-Z goes into the booth, puts out a couple verses and then he's out and it's like one of the best songs of history. And everyone's like, how did you do it? He's like, I don't know. Okay, what's next? Whereas like, yeah. I, I, where, where do you start? How do you come up with this? Like, what? how does this word move with X? So that's crazy to me. The other thing I guess that piques my curiosity is... And we, we were talking a little bit about this before. You had been on TikTok for a little while. You'd been doing these videos. You did the BBC video, pops. Comment comes in, Wes Anderson video, pops, double. Yeah. Do you change as a person? Like, oh, I just went viral. Oh, people are covering me. Oh, people want to talk to me. Oh, people have, there's eyeballs on me. Now I'm different. Or were you able to still stay in your like little Tupperware pocket that you build for yourself? I think for me, the thing that I'm the most grateful for is the knowledge and the absolute core belief of like how lucky I am. Like truly, so many of those different elements are luck. And I think even something like a pandemic keeping me home to the point where all I really did for, you know, X amount of months was stay at home and like find ways to entertain myself. And so this was a way to entertain myself and to like not go totally crazy. And I think even like finding the fabrics in the bottom of the bin and the right people seeing it at the right time and, and the I think I am incredibly lucky to have had all the pieces fall into place in the way that they have because truthfully I have not put that much work into it like I, I am doing work but it's not something I've ever had to really fight for and I don't I know I wouldn't be at this point if I had to fight for it. I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm very lucky that the right people found me. Because as you can see, there were 10 years where I wasn't doing anything creative because I just didn't think that was in the cards for me. I didn't think it was an option. And I wasn't going to fight for it. I connect with that so, so much. So I am nowhere close to you in terms of creativity, but like I connect with that, that last statement so, so much that if you can help someone somehow unearth that this is where, not where they should go, but where they should at least explore, I think opportunities are endless. And I think it's so cool that we get to talk March 4th, 2022, because you're creative career is relatively quite small yeah. and there's so much happening for you <laughs> and in the next five years I have my projections of where you'll be but I'm not going <laughs> to inundate you of where I'm sure you hear it from UTA all the time and maybe your <laughs> husband and, and and your friends and the people that believe in you it's wild how quickly it's happened while you've said you haven't had to fight for it like those two things running parallel is absurd and I think the only way to be able to sustain like ethical creation is to make sure that I'm always looking behind me and like pulling people up with me 
And I think that is like the most important thing. That's like, I can't imagine it would be so um, ungrateful. <laughs> and I think would, and I, and I think my art would suffer. But on, on like a very real, yeah, uh, I think this industry is so difficult. And I have been told that in so many ways my whole life. Like I grew up in, in, LA adjacent and close enough to it and aware enough of the industry that like I've known my whole life how insane it is and up until very recently the fact that like I'm a female who is very confidently saying that she's a director and is very confidently getting the opportunity to direct things is like is so lucky it's really like such a time and, and and even like being around for something like YouTube because I didn't go to college and so I'm able to learn all these things because we live in a digital age and I can type in three words on Google and get a thousand tutorials on the thing I need so I yeah I think the only way that I I can maintain like sanity is is to make sure that I'm I'm being as grateful and ethical and aware as possible in like bringing other people along with me that gets me excited because there's something to be said for being a creative and being a talent but there's also something to be said for being a creative and being a talent who naturally has an inclination of what people they want to work with and based off of association you're ridiculously talented so if you're bringing up five six people those people naturally to me have to be ridiculously talented too. So it creates this really interesting environment or sphere that you get to build for yourself while, to your point, giving back and helping to impact everyone else. Yeah. But you brought up an interesting point about how you can type into anything onto Google or YouTube or now maybe even TikTok and you can learn it and you can go off with your curiosity. This is maybe a bit of a loaded question. How does TikTok, YouTube... And such change film school and directors potentially in in like the next 10 50 yeah. I, that to me that's like the coolest question i think it is such an incredible it's like the great equalizer i think we're gonna see i think the market as we know it is going to be way more flooded and sort of our metric for what is first rate will continue to climb but i also think that we have like a real, we also have a real sort of like middle class of content creators where you can have a very sustainable income and, and not be, you know, Martin Scorsese. Like you can, you can have a sustainable YouTube channel. We have Patreon. We have all these spaces where you can be able to exist and create independently and creatively without having to have a studio funding you. And I think that is really exciting because what we're going to get is a much more, I would say just, I think we're going to get better films. I think we're going to get better content because I, I, I believe at my core that the less hands in the, in the pot, the more like pure the product. And sure, when you want to watch a Marvel film, you want to see the best special effects, the the most cohesive. But also, I I mean, I'm going so tangential. The show show Loki, I thought, was really 
really interesting and really well done. The production design was like off the charts. You can tell there was a lot of like, there was definitely a, a creative sort of twist to that. And so I think even studios like Disney and uh, I don't know, are there any other studios besides Disney? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think there are, uh, I think they are understanding that, that what is going to make them credible and successful is the ability to be innovative and authentic. And I think something like film school used to be an institution that only the wealthy could could take part in or the brave I guess (laughs) and so I think I think we'll probably get a lot of movies and tv and film that's able to be made by different different people from different walks of life and I think that's like the best part about being alive I was reading an interview that was it was you and blinking on the name one of the things you said which really got me thinking was you go you grew up without not much financial security and not that much financial backing. And so because there wasn't that financial security and backing to give you what, let's say, the middle class or the upper class had, you relied on culture and culture became the teacher, culture became the bed, culture became the safe that you played in and naturally culture formed who you were. Now, I'm not saying at all that I would have loved to be in that situation and get raised (laughs) by culture, but... And people are going to kill me. I should take that out. What I'm saying, which I, which I think <laughs> no, is no, so no. cool. Oh, the ki- <laughs> you're like, keep it in. Get canceled. Get canceled, please. No, yeah, yeah. I'll... Yeah, cancel yourself. It's fine. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I so, I so get what you're saying because I also kind of agree. Like, I, I agree as well. Like, there, I'm, I'm at a point now where I'm, you know, financially stable and I see the, the perspective that I have. I see, like, it overwhelms me sometimes. And not to say, like, oh, oh my gosh, like, my my perspective is so, like, ugh. There are so many similar stories like me and more. Like, when you think about, I mean, and, and I'm, like, you know, I'm a white cisgendered woman. And so, like, my, you know, my poverty was, like, a, a very big, deterrent from entering into the industry but there are so many people out there who have many more things stacked against them from entering into a space where they can be freely creative and I think those walls are breaking down because of the internet and because of the sort of democratization of 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 content and and of the resources that are given all of this makes me so hopeful for what is to come and act genuinely excited for what's to come because like over the past 10 minutes we've been talking about what the internet and what tiktok and whatever's going to do for film for tv and film and education and it's almost like we get to we'll get to experience the nuance like the nuance that you lived as someone who went through poverty but had this incredible surrounding of culture from your parents who were artists but then other things you cared for and leaned on to me almost plays out the way and again I'm a fan of hip-hop plays out the way that hip-hop slowly came to be because all they had to do was their pocket so I'm getting so fired up right now like my legs are going (laughs) I'm like can I I just see five ten years in the future I want to see what you're gonna do I want to see what other people like you are gonna do people who have money should find people like yourself who have such an insane drive and innate talent and and just genuine care for life or for the craft I will say I do I I do think one thing that like the only thing I can really 
say that I've like put in the work towards is like cultivating and like enriching my love of film. That is something that like if you are, I think if you are, whatever you are naturally inclined towards, like leaning into that and really falling in love with like the medium itself and like how the medium is made and how like, how just like, like film history is just so cool and so fascinating and to see the way that it's evolved over time. I think that is, that I can say is like work that I've put in and, and is something I've always fought for for myself is is to to love film and to love storytelling within the visual medium and that is like and has been so fruitful so like such a a lovely I, I give and take um and not that any anything is um ethical consumption under capitalism but I do like the idea that like ideas are free And I think that's really beautiful. There's no better time when you find that thing, which recently for me has been Quentin Tarantino, and you get so, so interested and you just start going. Like You talked about a creative blackout. There's a curiosity (laughs) blackout that follows too. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I want to ask though, because whenever I find people like this who I I connect with, how do you explore that curiosity? Like you, you come across the thing that fires you up. What do you do? What's the system? What happens? Okay, so like my, and this is, I I think is honestly one of the reasons why I am the way that I am, is my like primary source of media intake is not TikTok, it's not Netflix, it's not Amazon Prime, it's YouTube. I have never stopped watching YouTube. I was like in seventh grade when it first became popular and was like essentially raised by the algorithm the youtube algorithm and so i am like like a junkie when it comes to but basically like any sort of knowledge like i just love learning things and love being like i I talk about it a lot as like my interests like there's one interest here and there's one interest here and like the more I know about it the more it's spider webs and then all of a sudden these two interests connect in a way that I never saw coming because of what I learned about this and what I learned about this and how like everything about everything is connected in some way shape or form okay Kevin Bacon I know right uh like the I think that is like the pursuit of of everything and so I will oftentimes like start on YouTube I just discovered um this app called Overdrive which is like the public library in the United States I'm sorry uh uh the public libraries like public like public app and so if you have a library card at say like the Los Angeles County Library it has their entire digital archive of audiobooks and ebooks that you can just rent you can like check out for for two weeks. And so now I'm like, oh, I'm really into 1840s uh, dresses. I want to know everything about fashion and dressing in the 1840s. Let me just go ahead and type that in. Oh, look, there's a there's an entire book about the history of, of 1840s fashion. Oh, I'll just rent it and, and I'll and I'll read it. And I'll I, I think I will always now it's like the way of like 
cataloging and archiving that information is like it all goes into a film in the future. And so usually like all that knowledge goes into some some way I can like color a world in like a really interesting way and a really like robust way. Does the idea of the unknown in a topic or in a field or in an object drive you? And once you find you figure out the unknown, like you figure out everything in that industry, then it's like, okay, done. Next curiosity. Yeah, I mean, I think I always assume that there's done next. But what I found is that there's it's never done. It's never it's there's never like enough to there's never enough time to learn everything about one thing. But also that's like the exciting part. It's like music. Like I'll never I'll never listen to all the songs ever. It's not possible. There's just too much. But like I it doesn't stop me from trying. <laughs> it doesn't stop me from from trying to uh listen to music in I'm like a huge music is a huge driver for me as far as inspiration is concerned. That is like my biggest one. I need to, oh, I got to find the episode because I just went on a binge of Quentin Tarantino and I like, like, I don't know what I consumed, but I consume stuff and now there's new stuff in my brain that gets me excited. On one podcast, he was talking about how he uses music to drive the scene. So he'll have an idea for, yeah. for a scene. Yeah. He'll That's find me. the song and then he'll write with that song in the background. That's, yeah, that's that every, every script has a, has a very detailed playlist that is blocked out. I have like a very, this is like the 10 years down the road passion project, but I have like a, a beat for beat comedy murder drama set to like a classical music overture that I think will be kind of fascinating when it comes out. Who knows if I'll I'll be able to to you know make it happen but that is that's it's truly like it will be it will be exactly that boundaries I, I'm giving myself boundaries basically that's that's what it is it's a boundary I had a boundary for this episode and I wish I could get rid of it but you have a life so I'm gonna ask two questions the first question which skipped my mind so the second question <laughs> is what is the legacy and this is deep but what is the legacy you want to leave? Oh, gosh. I would really like to be able to create like a catalog of, of films that has a cohesive, unique experience felt by the audience when they enter into that place. And I think with auteur directors like Tarantino, like Wes Anderson, like Sofia Coppola, where there's a real understanding of the visual and the 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 auditory and sort of the core the sort of soul of the film i would really i would really love it if i was able to cohesively consistently put out a catalog of films that make people feel a very specific way and maybe even some of them will feel like or maybe even some of them will look at something in their real life and be like, oh, that's so Madeline Turner. Oh, like that, that's such a, uh, this feels like a Madeline Turner movie. That's, that's what I would really like. And I also, I would like 
to write really warm, complicated characters. Does that creative expression of writing, but the writing ends up on screen, does that creative expression extend beyond the screen in terms of a, in terms of books, in terms of potentially creating music, in terms of any other type of art form? Or right now is the screen, no matter t- type of screen, but the screen is the is the medium and goal. I'm open to pretty much anything. I like I like experimenting. It's fun, but I do think that my and we'll see like if you know if I'm I'm I have a feature film and it gets onto the big screen and it sucks and I hate it then I'm like cool let's let's figure out what's the next thing we can do but I think like my first love as like even a child was film and I I think I will always whenever I read a book I'm thinking about how it would look as a film whenever I'm listening to music I think of what scene I would set it to whenever I look at art I'm like oh, how can, that's a really interesting way of interpreting reality. How would that look through like the camera frame? So I do think I am like, unfortunately, such a filmmaker through and through. (laughs) So cool. You're talking about the love of music and that music plays a massive part in your creative process, obviously in the output as well. If you could get someone to create a soundtrack for you right now, one artist. Oh, Gosh, that's such a good question. Ah, uh, okay. Let me think. I I really like really want to have like. I can go to the bathroom and come back. We can have this running for a week, and then we can answer it. Next I week. yeah no, and and then I'll maybe have an answer. I think I would love to see how some like an artist like Kay Trinato would do a film score. I think that would be really interesting and really dope. I would love to see how like. I don't know. I would love to see a, a, a more contemporary music artist, like even someone like Phoebe Bridgers, having her a, take on a film score because I think that would put their – I wouldn't want them to soundtrack because that's their music. I'll, I'll figure it out. But like them putting that musical prowess into – the score of a film I think would be real oh maybe even like Taylor Swift like that I not that that would be like the best musically but I think it would be really fascinating I'll hit her up (laughs) the crazy thing about TikTok as we were talking about earlier before we actually started recording is that you have no idea who's viewed your stuff I have literally no idea it blows my mind people are like yeah I showed so and so your TikTok and I'm like why? Why would you do that? <laughs> I didn't give you permission to do that. <laughs> I think that'd be so cool. Like you talk about your love of music, your love of film. It would be so cool if you come up with these creative projects where you have this film, but then there's this artist that you feel fits that film and you empower oh, yeah. them to just go about creating the score. Like I that's know. your, that's like one of your series. That's one of your staples. It's oh like, my oh, gosh. a Madeline Turner film inspires a popular contemporary artist and you know that would be crazy because one of my favorite oh yeah no go ahead go ahead no i was gonna say one of my favorite artists is a guy named john bellion the last concert i saw of his he's very into animation as well as an artist and he wants to create his own animated show i do love that i do love when an artist is like 
multifaceted gets it yeah so at the concert he has his crew filming the audience and he goes hey i want to make an animated film but people don't believe that i can make an animated film and so what i need you to do is when i say hey should i make an animated film i need you guys to just erupt and i'm going to take <laughs> all of this footage and that's going to be and my, I'm gonna, essentially and my pitch this is going to be and my so my proof of concept <laughs> that concept that you're bringing yeah. up is so so cool I've always thought it made me think of when you were talking. Um, do you know Jacob Collier or Collier? Yeah. Oh, oh, that dude's insane. I feel like he could make the sickest soundtrack, like the sickest oh, score easily. to something. Oh, with like just acapella. Ooh, ooh. That would, I, I know, I know. I should, I should hit him up. I've also always thought the 1975 would create a killer soundtrack because they use a lot of this like sort of ambient cinematic synth sounds which i think a lot of their music feels really cinematic already and so i think it would be really fun to see them do like something yeah <laughs> i wish i had the power right now to make this connection happen between you and john bellion because there's so many things that you're saying right now he has in his music that he's talked about in his music. Like when he has a song called 80s Films and like there's so many things about him. I'm going to find a way to somehow make this happen because one, figure that would it just out. Be like the, hey, podcast host in the fucking yeah. goofy sweater. Figure it, it out. That would be, <laughs> uh, you've got me so excited now. I just think that's also like, I think the music industry is maybe hurting a little bit because of TikTok. A and little the bit? Yeah, uh, and a, just a, a little, little bit. bit. Just a <laughs> tiny on. bit. And I do think that, like, the integration of, like, sound and sight is where the music industry, I think, can learn to evolve and 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 become more of, like, uh, I don't know, achieve its esteem again. I think that is sort of, like, what you have to have, actually, now. Unfortunately, you have to have the, the integration of both. Definitely. And you'll make it happen. I will single-handedly you're welcome grammys <laughs> <laughs> now the grammys aren't going to be around when you start receiving your i awards. know i know i know it which is such a bummer because i really wanted to win the um the zach braff award um what's the, the zach, did you braff know, award? zach braff won zach braff has a grammy for putting together the garden state soundtrack did you know that no <laughs> Isn't that the most oh. insane thing you've ever heard? When I found that out, I was like, oh, so you made a playlist and you got a Grammy? Okay, cool. Good for you, Zach Braff. <laughs> See, that sounds, that's great. Good for you. <laughs> now, here's the, here's the Michael Jordan in you. Something's going to happen in the next six months or year. No, where I you're know. Gonna go at Zach Braff. <laughs> and Zach Braff's not going to know who you are or why he's your nemesis, but oh, yeah. you're going to use that as fuel and you're going to do something crazy. I'm going to do something really insane, and I will win a Grammy. It, it's not even part of my EGOT. I'm just going to win a, a Grammy. <laughs> if it's the last be... thing I do. I don't want an Oscar. I want a Grammy. When you win your Grammy, what are you drinking out of the Grammy? Oh, um, probably um, like, a, a, like a Yakult pro probiotic. I think that would be nice. Just like get, get, get that good gut health going. Just to oh set me God. off on the right, <laughs> on oh the right God. direction. <laughs> Your life truly is a movie. That yeah. Is hilarious. That is hilarious. Yeah. Well, yeah, this has been, honestly, it's been the best 
chat episode. No, it's I've been ever so had. much fun. No, I I, um, I had such a blast. You you like really did your research, and I really appreciate that. Um, you're I, so I, quotable. It's insane. <laughs> like it is. It, it's actually insane. Like I, there were so many quotes which I wrote down, and I was like, you know what I'm gonna do? I could make a whole TikTok account inspiring people into creativity literally just using that's what i'm gonna do okay you can do, do that. that please do it like truly please also i you 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 don't even know how much you've just like fed my ego like probably for the next mm, six weeks i'll be i'll be i'll be sati- satiated it's nice to know i'm quotable <laughs> what was the one hang on let's see what was the quote was it the one where I said I'll probably never try heroin? Because I do know that that's that's in an interview somewhere. I, I never read interviews ever because it's always like, hey, what are you looking to do as a creator? No, wasn't that the most insane interview ever? The title of it, it what's her name again? I Caroline Calloway. Caroline, Caroline Calloway gets drunk with Madeline Turner. Drunk. Yeah, that was, yeah. That was crazy. And so the cool thing about it, though, was it wasn't cohesive. <laughs> It started, yeah. And the next thing, she's like, "Oh, what about drugs?" And the next thing, it's like, "Oh, what about school?" And then the next yeah. thing, it's like, "Well, let's jump back to TikTok." And your answers were so raw and real, and you could tell <laughs> she was so raw and real too. We really, we really bonded. We were like, uh, "Caroline Keller is so fascinating. I love her. I think she's fascinating. I think like, I, I, I was honored that she was fascinated by me. That was like, it was a very mutual like. I find your brain very interesting." I'm happy to pick it apart um, bit by bit. So crazy. So, so yeah. crazy. Well, I'm genuinely so excited for where you're going to go. What you're doing is so, so different on TikTok compared to every other person. And all of these TikTok gurus are going to push. There needs to be a hook. You need to post two or three times a day. You need music. You need trends. You need cuts. You do none of that. You build your own lane. You and yeah. the American Barons and everyone else build your own lane lane. yeah do what you do best figure out what what do you like to do you're gonna do that best so so cool well just like don't murder people like don't love murdering people don't do that best Mm. what's the but if you could because you made that comment i know for a fact whether you were under the influence or not you have thought about how you will murder a person yeah so if there was an opportunity to murder someone like let's say you were okay um, i have it are you ready manson yeah okay yeah. okay so Charles like manson i i don't know if you, i don't know if you know this but um victorian homes are notoriously like the most dangerous places on earth these homes were were like the number one killers for like years during the victorian era so what i would do is i would take someone um i would be like oh let's go on like a tour of the bembridge house or like i don't know and i would be like oh let's let's walk up the stairs really fast um and then i would push them down the stairs and they would die and fall and i would be like oh my gosh they slipped on the stairs and they died because these houses are so dangerous they're killers um and that's how i would do it (laughs) well i'll give you a level of security and safety and sanity in the sense that no one in the CIA, <laughs> the FBI, any police force, anyone with any vigilante motive at all listens to this podcast. Yeah. So this will, and no one follows me in that realm. No one in my family or family friends. That you or know whatever. of. Mm, 
Because mm. if Wes Anderson and Julia Fox are watching you, who's watching Danny DeSatnik? That's a question Exa- for the next Exactly. Episode. Exactly. Maybe Kanye West. Ooh. That, have you watched that new documentary, though? No, I haven't. I, 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 okay. When I say I love Kanye West, I love him from like a scholar, a scholarly perspective. One of my... What do you mean by a scholarly perspective? I just think he is worth being studied i think he is genius enough i think he is genius enough and groundbreaking enough and uh i would say like a representation of uh an age and an attitude and like a psychology of a specific time that deserves to be studied and i don't think we would have music the way that we have music if it wasn't for kanye west and so although his personal life choices I have complicated feelings about, I think uh, his genius should not go unstudied. So then you really, really should watch. It's three episodes. Just watch the first episode because that's him leading up to uh, to college dropout. Mm. And you're seeing everything in the flesh. It's absurd. No, he's 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 so fascinating. I've watched I've watched uh, I've consumed a lot of Kanye West content. I think he might be like my favorite music artist on just a music level. I don't think I've ever t- put on a Kanye song and been like, I want to turn this off, which is hard. Like I'm I'm an asshole about music. I don't like anything, and I I like all of Kanye. Hang stuff. on a second. <laughs> Hang on. You don't like music. You don't like anything. You just told me that music. No 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 no. Life. I'm saying I'm saying like I'm an asshole about music. I have very very like specific standards, and oftentimes an artist's work will hold a single song that I love, and the rest of it I could care less about. Kanye West, every single song off every single album, play through, play all the way through. So I am sending you, again, I'm on the John Bellion train, and I am going to send you a podcast episode. There's a podcast called And the Writer Is. Have you heard of And the Writer Is? No, I haven't heard of it. Okay, so it's created or it's hosted, founded, whatever, by a guy named Ross Golan, who's a big songwriter in the industry, and he just interviews songwriters and artists. And John Bellion has a really, really interesting take in the sense that he goes, I make music for people to appreciate it in five or 10 years. He goes, I think we experience the future before anyone else. So how can we expect Mm. them to like the music today if we're living in the future? That's so true. Uh, That is like the most interesting take I've ever heard on art. It's so true. And it is like... I think that's like the pursuit, the the ultimate pursuit of the artist is because what you're trading for uh, artistic prowess, um, you are, you are like, you're paying like loneliness because you, you, if you are like living in the future, if you're living in beyond expectations or hopefully be like groundbreaking, it's really lonely. It's really isolating. And I think that can be really hard for an artist's like ego and their sense of like security if everybody else is in the past and they're in the future it's like the lake Mm. house (laughs) (laughs) so 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 like art is like the lake house starring sandra bullock and john cusack is is basically my thesis (laughs) you have synesthesia but not in terms of senses but in terms of music and or movies that's not yeah. even a thing, but I'm making it a thing right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I have to ask, because I'm a big fan of Maggie Rogers, who I hope you're a fan of. Oh, I'd be an idiot if I wasn't. 
And I'm not an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) She was saying, and I've always struggled to understand this because I'm creative, but not in that echelon or I don't create my own music. She says that she loves the the creative process of coming up and actually creating an album because she knows that once she releases that album publicly, it's not hers anymore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you feel that same way about your your films? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think you can have so many hopes and dreams and ideas and like unrealistic or, or realistic expectations for what it could or should be. And there's a lot of like existing intention with that and, and sort of an internal battle happening all the time. And I feel like once, yeah, once I, with TikTok, I mean, it's a much quicker cycle. But like even even then, like if I have, you know, something that I'm working really hard on or like a, you know, a concept that I feel like, oh, this is something this is a little bit more challenging. This is a concept I want to convey. This is like a visual style I want to convey. Once it's out there, I feel like I can come back down to earth. And it, it, I, I just, I don't have to worry about it anymore because it's done and it's there. And we move on to the next thing. And I, and I, I will be proud of things like six months later. I can't really I can't really have like any opinion about something I've made until about like 6 months after it's done because then I I'm no longer like tied to it in any way. And with film I I I haven't made a film yet. I've never I haven't made a feature. So I think that's going to be like a real exercise in personal uh ego maintenance and expectation <laughs> maintenance. Can I can I pay for someone to film that whole process? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, I want the I, mean, I want the Kanye doc of you in twenty years when like you're doing cool <laughs> shit and everyone's looking at and everyone's like, oh, that's definitely a Madeline Turner film. I'm gonna try replicate that film. I want to see what happened early. I actually like I wish I saw in 2020 when you were getting on TikTok what it is. But oh. you have to promise me that there's gonna be someone filming in the room for the rest of your life. I uh, honestly honestly there are I still have like all the video files like every take of every video I ever made ever like because I filmed it on my phone so like all those takes I have on like a hard drive so like all from my earliest TikTok days I have like all basically all the raw footage every take every everything it's honestly not that interesting because when you're filming yourself, you you sort of there's a lot of like unconscious like, yeah, I got that. No, I don't have that. OK, I'm going to say the line. OK, we're good. And then just like turning it off. There's like b- rarely bloopers because it's just it's just me. <laughs> OK, here is this is a company idea. I'm going to quit my job at hashtag paid. And, and, <laughs> OK, and perfect. I'm start this perfect. company and you're the catalyst. So here's the company idea. I'm going to go to creatives like yourself who have this like BTS behind the scenes footage. I used to be big into collecting sports cards. I'm going to package all of those videos up oh. into different packs. And then you can buy like a Madeline Turner pack. How it's cool like, would that be? It's like an NFT. <laughs> no, like, no, like fuck yeah, NFT. Yeah, fuck yeah. NFTs. <laughs> it'll be, it'll be like an NFT, but like, like fun and ethical and not elitist and not, um, you know, fucking stupid. 
when, when I start my company, can you be my first customer? Of course, can we do a collab together? of course. I'll give you, I'll give you all my footage. It's really boring, but I'm gonna hey, hold it. Hey, so that's the thing. Maybe someone's gonna pay a lot of money for it. I'll pay a lot of money for it now, and then what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna hold it like unopened boxes, and then yes. once you become super famous and critically acclaimed. We'll go to Sotheby's together. I'll make millions. You'll, you already have millions. Yeah. We'll be good. I'll, I'll toss you a couple mil uh, just for funsies. That episode was so much fun. I loved how I thought I only had two questions left and then the energy switched up for the last like 15, 20 minutes, went on random tangents and just had such a good time connecting with another creative and getting to hear her thoughts on so many different topics. There were so many things in this interview that were so cool, but the one thing that stands out to me, especially as a music fan, is how she was saying that in the future she'd love to get one of her favorite artists who've never scored a film before to score her film. And I think that idea of bringing creatives together so that one plus one equals five, right? You get. Madeline in a room and Phoebe Bridgers in a room and what they create is something that they couldn't have created alone they had to do it together and we can't imagine anything else once that art has been released to the world maybe it's a little bit more of a purist mindset but I think it's so so cool to see when two unbelievable creatives in different domains come together to produce and create something bigger and better than what we could have ever imagined so if you're here by now, this is the longest episode I've ever run. Thank you so much. If you like this, rate us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Maybe even leave a comment to say what's up or what you really liked about this podcast episode. Next week, I've got an episode coming to you with the man, Tom Curtis, who runs Things I've Drawn on Instagram. If you haven't checked out Things I've Drawn, I highly, highly recommend doing so. The art, the creativity is unbelievable he takes his kids drawings and turns them into what the animals would look like through the kids minds based off those drawings so so creative i've never seen anything like it and you're gonna love the episode have an awesome weekend and we'll see you next week